Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever Lisa Mother Brown Live Awards. Yes, we've got 12 awards for you tonight. Not only that, a special Q&A between yourself, the audience and our star guests, who you may have noticed at the bar, propping up already. Um, over the course of the evening, you're going to be hearing from the likes of the lizard, James Longman. The G-man, Graham Howlett. And then, Mad Dog, Martin Allen. Come on. Well, not only that, Frank McAvinney. So to kick us off this evening, please welcome our first guest. He's the former Matchday announcer. He's the author of the seminal classic, Mr. Moon Has Left the Stadium. Welcome to the stage, Jeremy Nicholas. Hello. Now, I was really hoping that this afternoon Sam was going to get sacked and uh, we were all going to have a party. But for some reason, they've decided to stick with him for another 10 days and then sack him. Which is a shame because it would have been great, wouldn't it? You know, Graham would have loved it if Sky Sports had come and the truck was outside. We'd all been famous, wouldn't we? And half of us would have been saying, oh, it's a shame he's gone. And half of us would have been saying, oh, get out of here with your bus back up north, even though you're actually from the Midlands. Because that was the thing about Sam, wasn't it? When I, I wasn't very keen on him when he came because I just thought he was a northerner who played dreadful football. But it turns out he's from Dudley. <laughs> so let's, let's have a show of hands quickly. Let's just have a think. Uh, who, who, would, who was hoping Sam was going to get sacked today? Right? Okay. And who was glad that he hasn't got sacked today? See, that's the problem with Sam. He's dividing us. We need to get him out because he's, he's splitting us up. So all my job is to, is to warm you up and then we'll get um, Martin and we'll get Frank on here and then we'll have the awards and it'll be fantastic. And then we'll have a Q&A. I'll come back and rove around with the microphone a bit like Tricia asking the, the questions. Um, I did ask who was doing the photographs and I was told that Gordon, uh, who's, who's known, was, was doing some pictures. I don't know if you know about Gordon. He lost a contact lens today. So ideal to be doing all the camera work. Uh, and I said, what have you done about that? He said, well, I've taken the other one out as well. So is it better like this or like this? Yeah. So that's good enough. He's gnome on these at Mother Brown. But fortunately, we've got Upton Gurley as well, Catherine, who's... Uh, hang on, just do a shot for her. Yeah. That's good. She just did a team photo with... Uh, Frank and Martin and James and Chris outside. And for some reason, she sort of went around like that to take the picture, which caused a big grin on Frank's face. So I, I was stadium announcer up until August of this year when I decided to resign on account of the club asked me to take a 60% pay cut, which I declined. And you probably haven't even noticed, have you? Because <laughs> Martin Godleyman does it, and he sounds just like me anyway. He does. I'm not bitter about it. I worked for six West Ham managers, six full-time West Ham managers, uh, seven if you count Avram Grant. <laughs> oh, it's the, first, it's the first round of applause of the night. Thank you very much. What a lazy man he was, wasn't he? At the training ground, this, I don't know if you've heard this before, at the training ground, he was so lazy, he... He didn't like it when it was the cold weather. He got them to cut a little hole 
in one of the huts so he could sit in the hut and keep warm and watch the training out through the hole. This lady here can't believe it. Isn't that awful? What a lazy man. Avram Grant. My favourite West Ham manager, I think, was probably Harry, because he was my first one. And I know you're all thinking, you know, he spoilt it because he went to Spurs and QPR and lots of other things. But he was my favourite because he was my first one. And he used to get Frank Lampard, the proper one, senior, (laughs) to... (laughs) It's the second round of applause of the night. Um, he, he used to get Frank Lampard Sr., um, not Frank Lampard Toddler, to come over and tell me not to get the crowd going too much because it puts pressure on the players. <laughs> so that was Harry. Um, then who came after him? Glenn Roder. He was just rubbish, wasn't he? Uh, no, he was all right for the f- first season, then he couldn't control Paolo. Um, and then what happened? We had Pards, didn't we? And Pards used to say to me, Come and see me in my office before the game. Because when I, this was the first week, he said, when I was at Reading, I always used to have a lot of interaction with the announcer. And I'd like to do the same with you and tell you what to say and to get the crowd going. So come and have a cup of tea with me in my office before every game, I'll tell you what to say. I thought, this is good because, you know, I've only been the announcer for years and I've worked for the BBC all my work in life. And he used to be a glazier. So I thought, you know. And he'd had a stellar career. I think he played for Crystal Palace, I think, and, and Charlton. So, you know, he knew all about the glamour. And he said, come to my office, and I'll tell you what to say. And on the first day, he said, right, this is what I want you to do. And I thought, it's going to be something brilliant. He says, when the team run out, I want you to play I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles really loud. <laughs> and I said, Alan, that's brilliant. I never would have thought of that. We've been singing it since the 20s but it took a former glazier from Reading to come to East London to tell us to do that. And then the next game, he said, come to, come to my room again. And he said, I thought it worked really well, that bubbles idea. And I said, yeah, that was a good one of yours. I'm, I'm glad we did that, Al. Uh, he said, I want you to do that again. <laughs> On neither occasion did I get a cup of tea, even though that seemed to be the highlight of what he was suggesting, that I would get a cup of tea. And then the third week I went, he wasn't even there. And after that, I never went again. I'll just tell you one more story about parts. Then we need to crack on, don't we? Because I think they're warm, aren't they? We don't need, they don't need warming up too much. One time we played this, we played this cup match. Um, and it was about 20 minutes before kickoff. And it was a really cold night. And I'd got my fleece on and a big coat. And Alan said, I want you to come into the Sky TV room because I've got this brilliant idea of what I want to do at the next game because I've just been on holiday to SeaWorld in Florida and they do this brilliant thing and I think we should do it. And I thought, oh, okay, that sounds good. So me and Sue Page, who was in head of marketing, we went in the little Sky room and it was really hot because we were dressed for outdoors. He wasn't, he was in flip-flops because he was just back from SeaWorld. And he said, what, what they do... He hadn't changed. He'd come straight from Florida. No. And he said, what, what, what they do is they do this quiz, and they, the, the camera zooms around the audience like that, and then it goes in on somebody, and then they ask him a question, and the answer is either one, two, or three. It's multiple choice. And if it's one, they, they hold up one finger, and if it's two, they hold up two. And I thought, I can guess what happens if it's three. They hold up three, and he said, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he said, and, and what happens is 
the adult questions are really hard and the kids' questions are really easy and the kids always win. I said, okay. He said, I want to do that at the next home game. And I said, now the thing is, Alan, kids in Florida on holiday, they're quite well behaved. Kids in East London, if the answer's one, they will probably do that. <laughs> if the answer's two, they'll definitely do that. Let's just hope the answer's three. And he went, no, 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 they won't. They, they didn't do that in Florida. I went, no, because Americans have a very different attitude to me. And I'll tell you, they love it, don't they? There's a t American, there's a TV camera. They got, they, oh, and they're, they're so proud to be on. British people, if you see a TV camera, you blow your horn in your car when you're going by. Don't you? hey, hey, hey. So he said, oh, well, Paul Aldridge, the managing director, said that as well. And I said, yeah, because Paul's a West Ham fan. And he probably would have done that when he was a kid. So Alan said, I don't care, I want to do it the next game. And he went on and on about it. And I said, Alan, it's 15 minutes to kick off. I should probably be out there warming the crowd up. I really needed to get some air because I was nearly dying because it was so hot in the room. And I said, shouldn't you be probably talking to the team at some point? And he went, yeah, yeah, okay, but let's do that at the next game. And then what we did, me and Sue Page, we put our heads together and we lied to him and said that we hadn't got the right sort of camera to zoom in on a person. We said, we'd love to do it, Alan. It's a brilliant idea, just like your Bubbles idea. But unfortunately, the cameras we've got, it would only go into about 16 people. So, you know, you won't be able to tell who's doing it. And he said, well, that is a real shame. So, uh, so we, never <laughs> we never got to do that. Right, we're going to do a Q&A later. But should we get on with the main business of the night? Because we've got a couple of really special guests. And uh, to tell us about those, welcome back, James and Chris. Hello. This will be a little bit shambolic, so uh, <laughs> get used to it. Fans of the podcast will know this is often shambolic. Um, right, here we go. The awards are happening right now. Well, How thank, exciting is this? Thank you, thank you Jeremy. By the way. Yeah, thank, thank you, Jeremy. Thank that was lovely. Thank you. Um, yeah, round of applause to Jeremy. Why not? Gone mad. Uh, James, how excited are you about this evening? Very. Um, I'm actually super. Thank you, actually, genuinely for coming. <laughs> yeah. For a long time, we I thought there might not be anyone. A round of applause for yourselves, <laughs> just for being here. That's amazing. Well done. We're all raising money. This is a good thing. It's win-win. Ultimate karma right here. Um, James, you have booked us a booth at Stringfellows later for Frank. Is that... That was <laughs> the terms? I'm just checking. No, Stringfellows are coming here. <laughs> but no, just Peter Stringfellow. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, can you imagine? Hi, <laughs> Peter. Right. That's, 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 pr that's pre-Frank banter out of the way. Yep. Um, right, ladies and gentlemen... Top boy amongst the boys of 86. Let's have our first guest. 190 appearances in the Claret and Blue. Athletic, blonde, and consistent around the box. He scored quite a few goals too. <laughs> Welcome to the stage, Frank McAvenny! <laughs> Frank McAvenny! Woo! Here, live! Amazing! Hello! <laughs> uh, good evening, Frank. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Why is your kid? You appeared on our podcast in late Jan. Back then, things were going badly for West Ham. You said at the time that Big Sam had to go. It looks like he's got a reprieve today. Give us an update on you, how you're feeling about this. 
Um, as I said, I don't like seeing anyone getting sacked, but um, I just, I, I love the club and, and it's not going well, is it? It's, the fans are unhappy. I think Sam's unhappy. He's, you know, he's, I think he's, he's edging for a, a sacking because he's saying West Ham don't match his ambitions and all that kind of stuff. I don't understand that. And when he was asked at the weekend, does he regret cupping his ears to the fans? You know, whether you, whatever your opinion, he should have said yeah because it's just politic, politics, isn't it? He should have said yeah to keep the fans. You know, sometimes you've got to do that, whether he believes that or not. But he shouldn't say no. He says, no, nah, I don't regret it. And I think he's taking a piss, to be honest. But it's just me. See, someone, someone at well, I, I lost, I've got a lot of respect. I thought it was great when Sam took the job because I thought, I went to see Bolton a few times and I thought they'd play some decent football. Although they could play the long ball as well. And I thought, yeah, great. But when he walked into West Ham and after a couple of months, he took all the photos of Jeff Hurst and Bobby Moore and Brooking and all that down. And I'm thinking, why is he doing that? And he put up photos of Kenny Nolan and all that. And they won the playoff championship. They were sixth in the league that year. And they won, which is great. But surely that's not going to inspire all the kids. You know, like Jeff Hurst. I mean, when I went to West Ham, Jeff Hurst, Martin Peters and... You know, Bobby Moore, that was, the, that was the boys that won the World Cup for England. That's what I knew, and I'm Scottish. You know, to take all that history away is um, ridiculous. Nobody's going to know, I mean, don't get me wrong, it, does, it puts a shift in, but nobody's going to know Ken, uh, Nolan in 10 years or 15 years, the way they do Bobby Moore and Brooking and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I'm just a great believer in history, and, you know, that's what football clubs are all about. Okay. Fantastic. We've got another mic that works. Jesus. Um, right. It's time to bring on our second star guest. 232 appearances. 232 appearances and 35 goals for West Ham with the odd celebration in front of an empty stand thrown in. <laughs> Big round of applause, please, for Mad Dog, Mine Allen! <laughs> Welcome, Martin. Um, as we discussed there, there's quite a few who believe Big Sam's time is up. Um, a few are clamouring for a new man, maybe a man with managerial experience, someone with a bit of history at West Ham. Someone who maybe understands the club. Someone who's got a bit of a rapport with the fans. Um, do you see where this is going? Uh, <laughs> Martin, could you ever see yourself managing West Ham? Um, firstly, thank you for inviting me. Secondly, I'm dressed like this because I had to do a coaching seminar this afternoon for the FA out of the Dome. I don't normally dress like this. So um, that's the first couple of bits. Um, the, the manager, it's a, a fine line, a fine line. It's a difficult one. To, I believe to play the open game, um, a style that perhaps some of the older people in here are more used to, of traditions of the football club. Um, you would want to play that way. But he's been brought in here to get West Ham back into the Premier League, which he achieved. 
as Frank said, through the playoffs or whatever, but he, the end result, he's done it. That's the bottom line. And then the next part, to keep them in the league in the first year, is a big, big challenge in the Premier League to stay up. It's a big challenge. Um, playing the way he does is a safe way of staying in the Premier League because you don't have any uh, losses of possession or give away possession in your own half. You lose possession in the opposition half where you don't get hurt. You all, yeah, that's obvious, isn't it? You don't knock it around the back at West Ham, they play it to the front. So you're, ret you're retaining possession in the top end rather than your own end. People ask me and say, well, how can Swansea, Southampton play that style and not us? That is a good question because Swansea have been able to do it. I think the fantastic acquisition of Michu actually turned their club around. But with Brendan down there and before them with Martinez, they have also played without spending multi, multi millions, the style of football that I think most West Ham supporters would like to see. So you can do it, but he's chosen the safer way and it's guaranteed your football club, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with him or not, he has achieved safety and 120 million pounds, 140 million pounds. He has bought into the football club over two years. It's nearly 260, 280 million. Nobody can argue with the bottom line. I saw them play um, Arsenal just after Christmas. I thought they were superb in the first half. One nil up. Second half, I think O'Brien had an header from the six-yard box down at the Bobby Moore uh, stand. From the six-yard box, and he put it wide for two nil. It was still one nil, and then Theo Walcott terrorised the rat fullback that you had playing. He sent him up drain pipes and down tunnels. <laughs> Frank had a fullback called Rat and he was shite. <laughs> and it was Walcott that turned the game that day. But I thought West Ham tried to play good football. I thought they moved it about. Some of it went from back to front. But overall, I thought the day that we all left as supporters... I thought the majority of West Ham supporters would have said, well, I thought they were fantastic today. Um, last year, I saw him play Manchester United, I think, on a Tuesday night here. The Army played central midfield. Um, I think Van Persie scored, didn't he, in the six-yard box. And I thought that night, West Ham were also superb. I don't think anybody complained that night when the ball was going from back to front to Carroll and they were feeding off the bits and pieces through midfield, which is how they do play. Would I keep him? If I was the boss, would I keep him? I think I would have to sit down with him and I would say the player recruitment this summer would be vital to know who they're bringing in and if they're going to put another playmaker in midfield that can also make some passes and change the style of play. And I think that midfield player would be a holding type midfield player um, to play next to Noble in that position in the centre circle mainly, to pass the ball and play, to, to change, if you like, the style, but also keep the option of it in the front to the big man. Once those answers have come back, then, um, then I think you'd have, as a board, you'd have to make a decision. But 
120, 140 guaranteed is a lot of millions. Tough question. So the, so the question I asked was, would you consider taking the post? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm gonna put down, can I put down maybe? <laughs> Lucky you're five yards away. <laughs> <laughs> for me to get that job I'd have to work uh, and do my work at the championship level and um, I think I've got better obviously winning the league last year and being champions in division two was fantastic True. Um, obviously I'd, I'd need to go up uh, and challenge and do better higher things to, to work at that next level um, of course, when I go to the games, I sit and watch and fantasise. Um, I'm just <laughs> not like that, Frank. <coughs> and, and you wonder what it would be like. Of course, of course, you do. You wouldn't be uh, in my job. You wouldn't be normal if you didn't do that. And obviously, you look at the team and you look at the players. You look at the style and uh, you look at the injuries. Um, I go over to Chad Waleef quite a lot and watch and see what they do. And it does interest me, of course, but that is another level up. You know, that is up. You know, top top league in the world, really, isn't it? Okay. But I'm only I'm only 38, so I'm <laughs> Yes, Mike. Mike, Mike, can I just say something? I understand exactly what Martin's saying, but I see West Ham playing, and at the weekend they were different class against Tottenham. And as Martin says, we're different class. So many games. Why can't they do that most weeks? I don't understand that. Why they change it? Yeah. Why can you Why can you be different class and get a ball down? Surely he understands when you get a ball down and play. They're a good team. You know, they need a few changes. I still say there's a few players there that shouldn't be there. That they're not good enough for West Ham, but that's my opinion. Um, but just to hoof the ball up front to Andy Carroll. Andy Carroll is a good player. He's a good lad, and, and he doesn't mind getting the ball into his feet. Trust me, he's not a bad player. You know, he doesn't. As a striker, getting your getting the ball in the air with your back to goal, you don't want that. He, he's got two wingers who can't fucking cross the ball. <laughs> or 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 he'll put them on. He'll put them on different sides. Like, but one of them down and crosses with the left foot, and he puts them on the right, and, and you're going. Now, as a striker, when you're checking out all the time because you're not, you're not good enough, because there's no other reason you're not good enough to cross beer. See, when you're getting paid 20 grand a week, you should kick with both feet. <laughs> you know, trust me. You know, I went down the left. I wasn't left-footed, but if I went down the left, I'd cross the ball. You know, it's just the way you do it. Um, so I see them play some weeks, and I think, different class. And then I see them play other weeks, and they're awful. And I hear all you guys talking on Twitter and all that, and, and I think... You know, you can't keep doing that, you know, and you can't be arrogant. Big Sam's an arrogant, arrogant person. You cannot be arrogant. I was telling the boys up there, I'll give you an example. He deals with one agent, and I've got a share in a company, and I put, years ago, I put Coney, the centre-forward Coney, I put him into West Ham, I didn't even get a call back. And he went to Wigan and scored all these great goals. And I'm thinking, well, why? It was for practically nothing. You know, why wouldn't he even return my call? So talking about taking photos down, not even that. He just doesn't want to speak to any ex-players. Yeah, so I think there's a wee problem. I think he's got a, 
and arrogance about him. He was at a meeting, Premier League managers and all that, and he was talking, everyone's talking about football, blah, blah, all that kind of stuff, and he was talking about stats. That, to me, that says everything. You know, I don't want West Ham to be about stats. I love a club, I want them to be about playing football, you know, and, you know, Liverpool, Man City, Man City's won the league, Liverpool second, close race, by playing football. Swansea, different class, they get, boys get the ball down and play. There's players at West Ham that want the ball down and play, and, and that, for some reason he's not allowing it. Like Guy DeMel was in Hamburg, and he's a centre midfield player. He could do that holding job, but he's playing it right back. Which he's doing all right, but he, he's a better midfield player. You know, play the boys, give them a chance, let them go out and flourish. Just say, go out and enjoy yourself, go out and play. Yeah, I can't understand why that or this pressure. We enjoyed ourselves when we played. Even, you know, me and Martin went out and we had to laugh, you know, whether it was his tackle or something. I don't know. <laughs> you, know you know, one thing we did do, I mean, Martin was a hell of a player. When I played up front, you, you could, I, I chased things and Martin found me and it was, it was different class, you know, and he could tackle. Never get, the, never get the credit for it, but he could tackle and then put a pass into me up front, which was great. So I don't, I don't understand why West Ham can't do that nowadays because it's like they've got some decent players there, but there's some players that shouldn't be there. That's my opinion. I've got to say that's my opinion. Um, okay. okay. Um, well, signings, best signing. Let's do the first award of the evening. Um, James, can you do us the honour of revealing who the fans have voted for as uh, best signing? Um, the best signing uh, in third place Your was... Your trousers are a bit short, aren't they? ...was... Uh, <laughs> act like he didn't say that. Act like he didn't say that. <laughs> At least I haven't come in my tracksuit trousers. Um, in the third place for best new sign-in, in 4.6% was Carlton Cole. Second place was uh, Stuart Downing with 5.5%. And predictably, uh, best sign-in, uh, he's got character, and that's what we love. Uh, it's Adrian with 86.4%. Um, we have a little... Uh, the knees up Mother Brown boys went out down to the training ground to catch up with him, and here he is. First, I want to uh, say all the Western fans, uh, thank you so much for this award. Because for me, it's a pleasure in my first season here. And I have a special relation with the Western fans. <laughs> special relationship indeed. Adrian, there on the, on the podcast. A top man. Lovely bloke. We're going ham- to hammer on to another award quickly. This one is the first of the negative ones. Uh, always my favourite, as voted for by readers of KUMB. Uh, James, put us out of our misery. Who has won worst player? So we've got a real selection. <laughs> uh, but in third place was Razvan Rat with 14.4%. Did anybody buy any of the onesies advertised by a club shop uh, that Rat modelled? Anyone? <laughs> you should be outed. Uh, in second place was Patrich with 15.5%. And number one with 24.1% was Alu Diara. Worst player. And we caught up with Alu Diara. Here's a clip of him receiving. That's a joke. Um, Frank, Alu Diara has not had the best of times at West Ham. Um, do you agree with that vote that he's the worst player this season? <laughs> Obviously, I'm not going to name names who I think shit. <laughs> but, 
but no, I can't. There's players, because I've got a tournament there in the next couple of days, and if I come out with something now, I might get kicked out. <laughs> so I've only got another year left at Upton Park, so um, listen, they've got it. There's players there that have been sold or put on loan and get brought back, and I just can't see it. You know, I just, they're not good players. They're not West Ham players, you know. Defenders don't know how to defend, and I just... But some good players, if they were coached right, I think they could they could go on. And, and if you let them play the way football's supposed to be played, you know, I don't think anyone ever went to West Ham and signed for West Ham as a kid or, you know, later in years. I don't think anyone signed for West Ham to play the football they're playing now. That's for sure. Um, well, I'm not in management, but I, I think there's some, I think there's a clear out needed. But some of the players, some of the players are taking money and. I've seen them, you know, I come down to a few games, but I've seen them on TV and I think, shit, you know, especially I, I made a big hit on Twitter when I, I went on Twitter. I don't do it often. And I went on Twitter after the Man City game and we got knocked out of the cup. And they were all laughing and shaking hands with each other and joking. And I thought, fuck, that's not right. And I said, so we've just been beat 9-1 or something. And we're all laughing and joking, walking, walking off the pitch. Upton Park's changed as far as I'm concerned. There's one in particular I want to ask about, actually, because you've had a few months next with um, Marco Bugas. He's always a major contender for worst player ever. Did you know at the time it ended up in a caravan? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were good friends. <laughs> Still hang out? No, he was, uh, he was poor. And you can tell from training, you know the last pick when you've got an 8v8 in the school playground? <laughs> For the first three days, he was the last, last pick. <laughs> but he was Dutch, so you've got to try and be nice to a new person coming in. Well, that didn't really work with me and Dix. Um, <laughs> you can imagine, can't you? Who signed Harry? Um, no, he was just poor. We we went down to Dorset or somewhere in in the, uh, down there, and Dixie just ripped it out of him all the time. He just it walked past him in the corridor in this beautiful five star hotel. You know, had a nice golf course and fountains and American blue rinse, eating nice cakes. And um, you'd hear someone say, "You're fucking shit." <laughs> That would be my roommate. Dixie was my roommate. Fucking, can you believe that? The Americans eating their Victoria cream sponge with the little forks. <laughs> They'd adjust their earpieces, not expecting someone to be shouting your fucking shit down the corridor. And of course, it was Dix shouting top of his voice, as he used to do, to Boogers. But Boogers was always my room partner. Your twin beds, <laughs> and they always used to give me the worst person. I don't know why. <laughs> and I had to deal with the fucking mad ones. It's because, because you're such a calming influence. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember putting the wardrobe in front of Dixie's bathroom? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I did do some bad things. <laughs> I must that confess. Co that cost us a fortune, didn't it? Yeah. It was the dearest wardrobe I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the hotel charges, it was thousands. Oh, I swear on it. MFI. <laughs> what was the question? Boogers. Yeah, Boogers. Yeah, Boogers. Next, Boogers. Next West Ham manager, I think. Boogers. Uh, no, he was. A, he was. He was a nice lad. Nice lad, but he was just not a good footballer, and uh, he just couldn't hack it. He just wasn't up to this level. Um, no, he just wasn't up to this level. God bless him. Nice lad though. All right. Um, let's crack on and do another couple more awards. Uh, the next award is for most missed. Wally Downs won this last year. Denver Bar won it the year before. James, reveal who has won most missed this year. Uh, this year, in third place was Gary O'Neill with 4.2%. Uh, second was Ravel Morrison with 34.8%. Um, and quite a respectful bid uh, uh, vote at uh, number one was Dylan Tombides uh, with 59.4%. Um, I think that was a nice gesture from the fans, from the readers of KMB there. Um, let's move on and talk about goal of the season now. Uh, here it is. So this is the award for goal of the season. There's not a great deal to choose from, if we're honest. Um, I think it might be one of the millions of goals against Spurs we scored this year. I don't know. It could be any of those. Um, can, I, can I say something? That's the best goal. quote I've heard, apart from Crouchy. <laughs> when someone asks Crouchy, what would it be if he wasn't a footballer? And he says, a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> That was a great quote. But Big Sam's... Where did Peter Crouch go into that? <laughs> but Big, Sam, Big Sam's quote was brilliant. He says, I think Tottenham's kept me in a job this year. Uh. <laughs> um, so in the third place to go a season was Kevin Nolan versus Swansea in a 2-0 victory. Uh, on the 18th of December, Maiga, remember him? Uh, he scored against Tottenham, that was in second place with 2.6%, but uh, the best goal was on the 6th of October, um, and as a fan in the stands, can be described as this. Ah, 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 ah! It's Ravel Morrison versus Tottenham 3-0. Yes! It took so long to go in. That reminded, that reminded me of something else, but I won't go there. That's, that's what it felt like. Uh, I trust said, trust I said, me, it's nothing to do with football. <laughs> No wonder your trousers are up your legs. <laughs> <laughs> now I know why. Let's, let's save it for string fillers. Gents, we need to hold it as a string fillers. Keep a bit back. <laughs> a Budweiser. We need a Budweiser up here. Stat. Um, in the meantime, we invited Ricardo Vazte to collect the award for best goal on behalf of Ravel Morrison. And here he is, Ricardo Vazte. I would say it's an honour to get it on, be, on behalf of to receive this award on behalf of Ravel. I'm, not, I'm sure he would be really pleased to get it himself, but uh, unfortunately he's, uh, he's on loan at QPR and uh, hopefully we get to do a good job for them today because I think it's the kick off the campaign of um, the, play, uh, the playoff. Um, yeah, it was a wonderful goal. We were all pleased for him because, uh, I mean, he's a terrific lad. He's got so much talent and to, and to deliver in a game such as Tottenham away is you know the magnitude of the game and for him to come out, to come out and, and dribble past three four players to, to get the goal that he got it was just terrific so we were very pleased for him and it's an honor to get it 
on his behalf and I'm sure he would obviously be happy to pick it up personally. personally I love it, Tartan. <laughs> <laughs> Lumberjack. Ravel Morrison. Um, Martin, that was an outstanding individual effort from Ravel there to win uh, goal of the season. But he's a player who allegedly can be a little bit difficult in the dressing room. Do you think he has anything on Julian Dix? What do you mean on him? <laughs> well, around, around, you know, his kind of personality. Do you think he's, he could be a bit difficult, maybe? Uh, well, he's obviously got talent. Um, but he's, uh, he can be a 9 or 10 out of 10. Or he can be a 4 or 5 out of 10. He obviously, if you saw the game last night for QPR, he was substitute for them. Didn't come on until 65th minute. Um, and in his performance there, at times he gave the ball away in bad positions. Um, but he, undoubtedly, he's, uh, he's got amazing talent. Um, the goals uh, against Tottenham, I'm sure, will be remembered forever, especially against them. Um, outstanding player. But the way that Sam set that team up, there, there isn't room for those types of players. Everybody has to be playing seven out of ten in the fixed teamwork, fixed way of playing. Um, and he's a free spirit. He's a maverick character compared to Dix. I mean, for me, there's no comparison. Dix is just, Dix would just waft him away like a fly on your leg when you're laying on the sunbed in the summer. You know, it's just like, no chance. <laughs> No chance. <laughs> Wonderful vision. <laughs> summer. Um, Frank, yeah. uh, you scored a few blinders yourself. We can't talk about best goal of the season without talking about what was your best goal. If you had to pick, I imagine you're asked this all the time, but for the benefit of everyone here, what would you say is your favourite goal? I, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> um, I, was, I was a total team player and, and I, you know, took me... Tony Cotty couldn't understand when I went through and go. If he was beside me, why I'd passed him. And, you know, I'd draw the keeper out and pass it to him. And Tony says, I'd never do that. I says, well, I know that. <laughs> you know, I, I did know that. Tony's an out-and-out -out striker. And I would rather, you know, once the game's won for the team, then, then I can try and do something special. But yeah, there was one goal. We had a bet. And this is, I've not told this before, but we had a bet. And it's a true story. Tony reminded me of it. We were on TV the other day, and they reminded me of it. We were, <laughs> we're playing Aston Villa, and uh, we had a bet to see who'd score the best goal. Uh, we knew we were going to score, so Tony says, yeah, how much? He says, £100. So he says, yeah, OK. <laughs> so we're out, and, and you all know Tony. He never came out, never travelled well, basically never came out the box. <laughs> he's, he's, he's came out the box, and he's smashed it 21 yards or something, and I'm thinking, shit, you know. <laughs> I'm a Scotsman. I'm thinking, how the fuck am I going to beat that? <laughs> yeah. A lot of wardies put me through. Nigel Spinks is in goal for Ashton Villa. And I knew, I knew him. And I could see him looking at me thinking, what the fuck's he doing? I just kept running at him. And he was going, what's he doing? <laughs> He's never seen this before. And I just kept fucking running at him. And he was backpedalling. And I got that close to him and I thought, now I've just lobbed him. I've chipped it. I've given it the, the wedge and chipped it over him. And I'm running to the crowd and I'm thinking, I've had it that high. It's not going to reach a goal line. But Nigel couldn't get back in time. Ball crossed the line, magnificent. I'm thinking, I've won the bet. John Lyle knew something was up. Made a few inquiries, found out about the bet, and fined the two as a thousand pounds. Absolute, absolute quality. And I've still not got a hundred pound off TC. <laughs> You've got no chance of that. No chance, I know. Um, 
Well, speaking of disappointments, um, we should go on and do the award for greatest disappointment of the year. Um, James, who has won greatest disappointment of the Foot- year? Lack of football. <laughs> well, that's a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, third place was... Uh, <laughs> In third place was the FA Cup uh, result in Nottingham Forest with 12%. Uh, failing to sign a backup striker during the summer was 16%. And uh, number one was our style of football with a massive 40.9%. Boo. Boo. Is that, is that hoofball? Hoof, hashtag hoofball. Um, so we just was t- that you guys that started that, was it? <laughs> what? Was that hoofball. Hoof- <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody sent me a tweet saying... Hi- Hashtag hoofball, and I thought it was fucking. <laughs> it. I thought it was hilarious, and I put it out to everyone. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I, I mean, the fans, West Ham fans, have been on the team's back at times this year. I mean, you've both played for West Ham through hard times. Yeah. What's it like to play when West Ham fans are on your back? Um, I should answer that one, Frank. Yeah, I was going to. I was going to say. I don't know. <laughs> How the fuck would you know? Do you, do you know one of my highlights? I was one of my highlights. One of my highlights was when I, I, I would never. I love West Ham, but I played for Swindon against West Ham. Remember, he was in midfield. I made you right at the start of the game. Yeah, <laughs> <coughs> you and Ian Bishop were in midfield, and I didn't want to play. And I'm thinking, that's my club and what. And the manager, for some reason, put me in midfield, and I'm thinking, fucking Martin and Bish. And I'm going, I've not played in midfield since I left St. Mirren. And I was thinking, oh shit. <laughs> And um, I enjoyed myself. We had a good laugh in midfield and all that, and obviously we could beat. <laughs> but, but it was a great, it was a great time. I mean, one of these surreal times that you just don't want to be there. If you know what I mean? Had to had to try and do well for Swindon, but they were relegated anyway. So you know, they were worse than West Ham are just now. So <laughs> so. so. <laughs> if, I, if I can say that, sorry, sorry, allegedly. So it was fun playing against these guys, but it was uh, it was a bit surreal. When the, when the fans are on your back, or when you get on players' backs, it doesn't help them. It drains them of energy. I think that's very kind. Thank you. Um, it drains them of energy. Uh, it's very worrying. Um, when I was at QPR, um, when I first started, we played against Coventry City at home, and we lost one nil. And I was a central midfield player who had replaced the fans' favourite, Gary Waddock. And I kept giving the ball away after winning the tackles. And then I kept giving the ball away. And the fans started, you could hear in the stadium, the, you know, that noise, you know, that, that big sigh. <sighs> so I passed it the way I fucking tackled it, which was full of energy. And after a while, I started to get booed. And with 10 minutes to go, the manager took me off, and it was the biggest cheer of the afternoon. I was 19. There was 20,000 20, at QPR those days. Uh, went home to Reading, half past six, got home, sat in the front room, uh, living with my mum and dad. And uh, dad came in. He said, are you all right? I went, uh, no, I want to leave. I want to go. I need to go. I don't want to keep going back there and playing in front of them. And he said, well... If you keep giving the ball away, you're going to have a problem. (laughs) 
He said, if you go to the next club and you give the ball away, you'll have a problem. So he said, you've got two choices and I'll back you whatever you want to do, son. You go back, you get your tackles in, you keep it simple, or you quit and you go down to a lower level. He said, but you'll get the same shit down there if you give the ball away. He said, think about it. I was only 19. And you could imagine, I was full of passion and fucking so hard on myself. So I took the option, well, you know what option I took. <laughs> the night before the game, the next home game, I had that choice. Um, dinner time at home. He said to me, um, make sure you win your tackles, keep competitive, and just give it simple. Keep calm, give it simple. Blank everybody else, blank everything else off around you sort of a line around yourself just do your job <laughs> it was the best game I've ever had best game I've ever had but sleeping you don't sleep well the next morning when you wake up you're anxious you go to the toilet a lot more times because of the anxiety the stress levels are massive going out for the warm-up when your name gets read they boo your name but then when that first tackle comes and you go in and win it Yes, and you keep it simple, and, as it, and it built up, and it built up, and I turned it round. And I had the same at times here, at Upton Park, the times where I'd pass it the same way as I'd tackled it, and it didn't work, it doesn't work, obviously, and he gets <coughs> frustrated. So as a player or a performer, it, is, it can be very tough when you get on people's backs, and it can lead to uh, worse performances. Thankfully, I uh, managed to sort of get through those times and, you know, stick at it. All right. On, you, on your behalf, I've got to say, everyone at West Ham knows Martin for his tackles and all that and Crazy Horse and all that kind of stuff. But as a striker, um, to, Martin was a lot more than that. He was, he was different class as a striker. He, he'd have your back, that's for sure. And, and he was different class. Him and Bish was a playmaker and all that. And, he didn't get really noticed a lot because he was just, but he gave everything simple. And as a striker, he meant a lot to a lot of the players, which was, and everyone's going, my dog and all that, but he was a better player than, you know, just my dog. You know, it's like me. No, just... it wasn't Frank, that's bollocks. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Frank, that well, is I, fucking I know, bollocks. I know, I know. Well, you must have fucking missed. I tell you what, he put me through a few times. Um, one of my keepers, so it couldn't have been that fucking bad. But I know playing in midfield that sometimes, Strikers are not on your level, and um, I was putting things through, and, and I was getting to blame things, but the strikers were shit. And I hoped that I, I just made it easier for him because I was making runs and he was finding me, which was great. And, you know, I'm honest, and I say people are shit when they are shit, and you weren't, honestly. Um, that's a nice segue into our next award, which is the most improved. So Winston Reid won this two years in a row. James, who has won most improved this season? Frank, who was shit? You were just saying who, who, when a player was shit, that was shit. Who was really shit? I can't, I can't say that. <laughs> just do big, it, so big, rhymes. Big, big, <laughs> there's a cartoon character out, Big Bart. <laughs> Ian Dowie, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he, he's great for the team photos. He was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so most. It, was, it wasn't bad. <laughs> Right, so most improved player in the third place was Ravel Morrison. I'm not sure how we'd know that because we haven't seen him most season. 
Uh, in second place is James Tompkins with 17.4%. And in first place with 24.1% uh, was Matt Taylor. Well done, Matt. Uh, and going straight on um, to Young Player of the Year. Um, in third place was Elliot Lee with 2% in the half a match he played. Uh, in the second place was Ravel Morrison, 38.1%. Um, and also well-deserved in first place was uh, Dylan Tombides uh, with 54%. Um, come went down to the ground last week and Dan Potts um, picked up the award for him. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is obviously fully fully deserved. Um, he was a he was a great uh, young player. Um, obviously, I know him really well. Uh, he was a really good friend. Um, spoke to him a lot, even through the tough times, you know. Um, but he was he was a great great lad. Not just a, obviously a great player, like I've said. Um, he was he was a great lad, a great person to have around. And um, I think that yeah, obviously this award is fully fully deserved. He, I think everyone everyone at the club. Would have would have agreed um, for sure, um, but yeah, no, he's a, he was a top top lad and a, a top lad to have around. Uh, Dylan Tombides. Uh, as we all know, the club have done a fair few things that we might not agree with this year, but they handled that all very well, uh, and he'll be missed. Um, going on to the next award, um, which is worth signing, to lighten the mood. <laughs> Uh, I've ordered I last year it was Emmanuel Pogates, which I didn't agree with because he did one really good header in <laughs> in that first half when we were winning and he kind of just had to get it up the other end. It was a really good header. Um, <laughs> uh, the award this year in third place with Roger Johnson, 10.8%. Who can forget his debut? Um, but I thought, yeah, I, Frank, what do you think about that? I thought he was a sprinter. He was as he got rinsed. Uh, in second place was uh, your friend of mine, Raz Van Rat. Uh, and in first place with 42% was Petrich. Um, there's no award for him because we couldn't find him. <laughs> um, I think we're now going to go into Q&A. Uh, Is that right? Well, hang on, we've got one more and we've got the one last award. Okay. One last award before we go to the Q&A. Um, which is for the podcast guest of the year. Gentlemen, you've both been on the podcast as well. You were in the hat for this one. Uh, and it was a very tough call. But Having thought about this long and hard and looked at all the feedback we've got from all the, pod, from all the different podcasts we've done. Uh, do you, do you think it. you know who done it? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to ha- okay, have a guess? Bish, bish. The winner of Podcast Guest of the Year, Ian Bishop. <laughs> he was hilarious. Um, gents, you both, you both played with Ian Bishop. I mean, that guy's hilarious, isn't he? He's, he's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's good fun. He's, uh, he was a great... He was a midfielder. Um, again, as a striker, he never gave a. You know, people were saying, again on Twitter, I've just started Twitter as you can imagine, but <laughs> it's uh, people were saying, well, he was underrated and all that, but mm. he wasn't underrated with his teammates, he was yeah. different class. Yeah. You know, him and <laughs> Dixie, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Dixie, you know, Dixie didn't get the, um, I don't know what you call it, he didn't get the plaudits of what he should because he was a wonder. Get a bit of tackles and all that, and hard man. I mean, Dixie was a magnificent fullback. It was unbelievable. Um, he could hit it seventy yards, forty yards, five yards. It was like just different class, and it. And he used to look after everyone. When he was just nuts, he used to look after everyone. And the gaffer says, "Look, watch this player because he's he's quite jinky and all that." And he says, 
I'd like to see him do that for the third row of the stand. <laughs> um, okay. That bishop. Yeah. We're <laughs> <laughs> thinking long and hard about this. No. Right, no. no, I've just been listening to Frankie. Yeah, but go on. Um, bishop <laughs> could drink oh. for England. Oh. He could drink Guinness like I've never, ever known if, if, anybody if could drink, could drink Guinness. <laughs> Not, as long as it's in a pink glass, he couldn't drink shorts. He couldn't drink... He's the funniest little man. <laughs> He's the funniest little man, and he used to have a little cheeky chuckle. And he used to, like one of those little toys, wind me up like this <laughs> to do stupid things. And then he used to giggle. And then he'd pull his hand away and I'd do something fucking stupid. <laughs> and then yeah, like he would Barricade giggle. Yeah, in his room. <laughs> and he used to think it was great. One night in... Where do they live? In the posh part up here, up the road. Yeah. Chigwell. Chigwell, up there. Uh, Bishop... It? moved with his wife and little children to a house two doors from the pub. Yeah. The Bald Hines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he lived two doors. No, probably not. <sighs> and he got good friends with the landlord. And when the pub closed at half past ten, Bish could <coughs> stay in the pub. Because Bish could drink. I'm telling you, he could just drink. And he'd come into training the next day, you wouldn't know he had a drink. So the story goes, one night, it's half past 12, and him, Morley, the landlord, and a couple of regulars are having a few beers, and Bish says to the landlord, can I go in the ke kitchen and make some sandwiches? Landlord says, get in there and help yourself. So he goes in, he pulls out a loaf of bread, he slaps the butter on half of them, he goes into the fridge, he puts ham in half of them, cheese in the other half of them, and into one fucking sandwich. He scraped out a tin of dog food. He placed the unbuttered ones on the top of the buttered ones with the cheese and the ham and the dog food. He sliced them all in half and he got a tray. He placed them all on the tray and took him in, and the last one on the left was for Trevor Morley. <laughs> Trevor can't drink like Bish, but he tries. Morley eats the sandwich. Eat it. Just before the end, with bits of the dog stuff hanging out, you know that jelly pedigree chum shit, they all start looking across and seeing what's happened and Bish is crying with laughter. <laughs> Morley opens up the sandwich and sees that he's eating a sandwich of dog food. And that is what Bishop would do. He is so funny. <laughs> wow. Good story, yeah? Yeah, that was an well, unbelievable story. Ian Bishop, podcast guest of the year. Um, right. It's now time to hand over to you, the audience. We're going to get Jeremy Nicholas to wander among you and ask, answer your <coughs> questions to Frank and Mad Dog. 
Thank you very much. Let's hear it for James and Chris. Fantastic with the awards there. We've got some more awards uh, still to come. My favourite line was when you said that Martin had come in his tracksuit bottoms, because I wasn't sure if he had or not, because that's, that's the thing with black, isn't it? Very forgiving with the stains. Do you want me to tell you about my favourite line? <laughs> Sorry, what? Do you want me to tell you about my favourite line? Yeah, go on, your favourite line. Tell us your favourite line. They won't go there. Right. Only joking. Right, so we'll have a bit of a Q&A. I did this the other day um, at the Savoy for a big um, blue chip company, and it was Phil Tufnell up on the stage, and the people all came and put um, the questions in a champagne bucket down the front. And when I had a look through them all, there was about 80 questions, and 11 of them were whether or not he'd shagged Sue Barker. And... And I've been told that the, the big bosses were in from this company, so not to do anything controversial. So I went and found the, the woman who'd booked me and said, is it all right to ask this? And she said, yes, that's fine. We're having a bit of a laugh. But just, I'll give you the thumbs up so I know that my boss has left before you do that one. So then we started the thing, and Tufnell sat there, and I said, um, Phil, um, we're going to come to the questions from the audience in a moment. He went, oh, what, whether I've shagged Sue Barker? <laughs> and I looked out, and fortunately the woman gave me the thumbs up, and her boss had just left. So bear that in mind. Right, who's got a question? Who's got a question? Have you? Right, let me come down there. Don't, don't start till I get there. It's a, roll, it's a Rolling Stones fan, it looks like. He's been with them from the beginning, to be honest. He's got a question for Martin. Whatever happened to Carlton Palmer's leg? Have you got it sort of mounted up on your wall above the mantelpiece? Oh, God. Um, oh, God. It was my mum's um, 50th birthday, or 40th, whatever. And uh, all the Allen family were going from Essex down to where I used to live in Reading. Mum and dad used to live in Reading. So all the family were going down for mum's birthday. And it was one of those big ones with a zero on the end. So when it came to the game, um, I don't know if you remember, but Palmer in the first half was brilliant. He controlled the game. He'd just been picked for England. And he dominated the game. So Billy turned round and said, uh, Mark, get ready, you're going on. It's half time. And I'd been gagging. like I'd seen him and I just loved it. It was perfect. And then... Um, well, when, when the ball got rolled across, he was just in front of me. Um, I don't know why I tackled him like that. And then the worst bit was I had to stand about 10 yards away. And, um, well, he was on the floor getting oxygen. <laughs> and all their players weren't very happy. And all the West Ham supporters started doing that howling noise that you used to do. So you've got to imagine there's 24,000 people. They're all howling. And then they started singing my name in support. Bish just laughed. <laughs> then I see him going off on the stretcher, and I knew it was like proper. It looked proper serious because it was right through his knee. Anyway, thank God he didn't break his leg, and thank God he didn't hurt his knee ligaments. Um, but then the story got worse. I got into the car, and my two cousins, Barry and Keith from Basildon, came to the game, and they were coming in the car with my dad and myself back to Reading. I was driving, turned the radio on, 
My, not, nothing, it was silent in the car, silent. Turn the radio on just to break the fucking... And the headline was from Upton Park, where England central midfield player Carlton Palmer had been stretched off after a horrendous tackle from Martin Allen. Well, as soon as he heard that, my dad went fucking mad. He said, what the fucking hell was you doing? And then my dad used to give it to me big time. His finger used to come out and my two cousins sat behind me. What? What did you think that sort of tackle? I've always fucking told you, you've got to take the fucking ball. If you take the ball and you can take him, it'd be fucking perfect. You just fucking took him. My cousins are behind me, both had a few beers. They were laughing their bollocks off. <laughs> so we got back to Reading, and you can imagine, my mum's got a new dress on, my aunties are all there. I'd had me been told off by my dad. It was quiet all the way down the M4, through central London. Nothing was said before the party, so it all kicked off, and it was all great. So the next morning, they're all staying at my mum and dad's house, and my uncle, Frank... <laughs> had gone to the paper shop to get all the papers. My dad's cooking English breakfast for about 25 people in the kitchen, and my mum's there, and the News of the World, back page, it was a picture of me with a mad dog face, and it said, mad dog destroyer or something. My auntie's gone, oh, there's Martin in the newspapers. <laughs> My dad's like that, cooking fucking mushrooms, going, fuck, you know. <laughs> my mum said, what's that then? What's that? So she had a <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My mum went mad. And that was that tackle with Carlton Palmer. God w bless him. Will you tell me when the story's finished? Because I'm scared to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's finished. <coughs> Thanks, Martin. I remember Stuart Pearce, he broke his leg in a game at West Ham and he, he tried to run it off. Didn't he? And the club doctor rang Stuart's wife and said, Stuart's coming home with a broken leg. And she said, whose is it? <laughs> right, have we got a question? Okay. Oh, I forgot to say, the next question wins one of my DVDs. Yeah. Oh, so, put your hand down. So that's... <laughs> It's very, it's very good. I finished watching it last night. It's the, uh, the Missionary with Michael Palin. Here we are. You can have that. Free, free with a mail on Sunday. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, I was at another uh, ex-Hammers forum recently, and Stuart Slater was there, and he was very glowing about Lou Macari. <laughs> his, his view was that Lou was a top man who put him in the team and gave him his head. What, what are you, you two boys' uh, views on, on I Lou? I can answer that very easily. It was shit. <laughs> He was undoubtedly the worst manager I have ever had in my entire life. He used to find... Don't sit on the fence, Frank. He, he find Lubo for rolling the ball out to, to Alvin Martin and Tony Gale. He used to find him. He says, you've got the longest kick in the league. Get up to... Me and Tony were like, for fuck's sake. It was horrible. We got him sacked. <laughs> Which is great. Fucking brilliant. Um, but didn't do me a lot of good when I went back to Celtic and then he got a manager's job. <laughs> but it was fucking useless. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's why I went to Swindon. That's why I went to Swindon. Fuck. It was fucking useless. His, his idea of training was get a ball, 
kick it as high as you can, as hard as you can, and catch it before it gets to the halfway line. That was it. That was it. <laughs> Fucking. I used to kick it away over there and go, take me two hours to go and get it and all that. He <laughs> was pissed. He was really pissed. But he was, he was never there. He was always at the race course. If you wanted a tip on money horses, he was great. But he was never there. He was never at a training ground. He was always coaching staff. He was a liability, to be honest. I can't believe I seen him on TV and he was singing my praises. <laughs> he thought I was different class. I'm going, fuck, what? Fuck. He signed me, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> Good manager. Good fuck. <laughs> Had his moments. <laughs> Who's next with a question? Okay. Always the people in the middle are hard to get to, and there we are. We make my way around. Who's going to be next after this, and then I can be working my route out. At West Ham, who's the best players you've played with? Uh, Julian Dix was the best one for me. I used to love uh, his character, his personality, and his. Um, his um, body language, just his belief. Commitment, yeah. Commitment, and he used to make me laugh. He never ever done a warm up. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I just, I just used to love it. I used to think it's so funny. You know, I, I had to warm up, had to. Um, and Julian would be in the centre circle on the main pitch at Chadwell Weef with a bag of footballs, just smashing balls from 35, 40 yards into the goal. And we'd have, me and Alvin would jog round to try and loosen off. And Dixie would say, you fucking puff. <laughs> you, know, you know what? I seen Dixie one game, one of the last games before I left. I seen him, I can't remember, he, he didn't like a journalist. And I'm, I'm, I'm out, I, don't, I didn't warm up either. Didn't do all that. And, then, and I seen him, I'm out having a laugh because I was, I was on the bench and all that. And I, was, and I seen Dixie smashing balls into the stand. And I'm going, what the fuck's he doing? You know, so I went over and I said, Dixie, what the fuck are you doing? And he went, that prick up there, look. And I'm going, who? A guy with earphones, it was one of the radio guys had slaughtered Dixie. <laughs> and Dixie was smashing him with the balls. <laughs> and the guy was obviously on live radio and he couldn't move and he's fucking going, fuck. <laughs> but just to be able to do that was quality. His left peg was different class. He's mad as well. <laughs> Remember, we, we, played, we were playing Swindon when I was at West Ham, and Martin was sharing with Jimmy Quinn. And, and they'd, was it you or Jimmy had the golf clubs, and they said, Jimmy said, I don't want to leave it in there because he's fucking nuts, him. And he'll fling him out the window and all that, and he put them in our room, me and Dixie's. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> no, you never done nothing, but Jimmy says, can I put the clubs? He was playing golf the following day. Um, he says, can I put the clubs in your room? I said, no problem. And then... Three o'clock in the morning, me and Dixie are bored. So we got the golf, we got the golf clubs out. So <laughs> three o'clock, and we got the bin, the, the ten bins that were in the hotel rooms, and we put them there. And what we had to do is get all the balls, and we had to get a nine iron, chip it off the wall, and one bounce into the bin. <laughs> and then after a while, and you reckon I, I'm mad? After <laughs> after a while, we get bored with that. So it was one of them. We had to chip it off of off the door or the wall. One bounce out the window, so we opened the window. Right? So, 
And about, uh, about half three in the morning, we heard this banging the door, and I'm going, fuck, Dixie. And I've looked out, and it was a gaffer, Bonzo. And I went, Dixie, Bonzo, he went, fucking answer. <laughs> <laughs> because all our chips, we hadn't hit the wall. Sometimes you hit the door, and all you heard was thud, thud, thud. Somebody obviously complained. <laughs> and he opened the door, and there's all these golf balls and fucking clubs lying up. And Bonzo went, I don't even want to fucking know. And just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> that was Dixie, but... It was, it was superb. I'm going to be honest with you, the boys of 86, if we'd, that team, if we had Dixie in the team that year, we'd have won everything. That, that's how much I rated them. So highly. It was a magnificent player. But for me, Alan Devonson was the best player I've ever played with. Interesting thing about Julian, when he arrived at Liverpool, uh, he went into the dressing room and he saw a shirt with Fowler on it and he thought it was for him. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, you guys are obviously West Ham legends. It's difficult to ask you this without you possibly uh, avoiding contracts that you might get in the future. Um, this season, we've obviously, uh, Allardyce has divided opinion. Some people love him, some people hate him. Some people love him because he's kept us up. Other people hate him because yeah. of the style yeah. of football, right? So in your opinion... Do you think it's more important that you play football which is pretty and sometimes you lose or you play football which is, uh, you know, uh, me as a percentages player, me as a player, I and couldn't play. you can stay up? I couldn't play. I couldn't play for a team that didn't play football. I just couldn't do it. It was just impossible. I was very fortunate at St Mun in Scotland to play football the way it should be played. I went to West Ham and met Alan Devonshire and and all the boys, Alvin Martin and Tony Gale and all them there. It was great to play with these guys. It was magnificent. And then I'm back to Celtic and it was the same Paul McStay and just, it was just great football. Everything was built around football. And then I'm back to West Ham and unfortunately it all changed. You know, I'm back for John Lyle and then he gets sacked. Because um, yeah, I could have went to Arsenal and they won the league and we get fucking relegated. But, <laughs> but I'm not better. <laughs> no, actually I'm not because... I, I, there was no way I was going to Arsenal. It didn't matter much they offered me. John Lyle was my dad, um, and I loved the club. You guys took me to your hearts. And when I first came down, I, I would not let you let you guys down, you know. So I came back, and it was a changed team. There was some fucking duds there. I'm not going to name names, but it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same club. When when they sacked John Lyle, the, the heart of the club just left. And they got Lou McCann in. I know he's saying Martin was just, and I've said he's a good player and all that, but his training method and it's just if you lost a game, he blamed fitness. He says, You're not fit enough. And and fucking battered you, you know. Well me, I would run more than anyone on a Saturday. But to run me all week is just fucking crucifying me because I just my head switches off. Unless I've got a ball to chase. So um I just thought his training methods was Stupid, you know. Apart from the fact that it gave us a four-mile run and Martin was all available. He'd always win it. It gave us this four-mile run round Romford. Me and Dixie started at the back. And uh, I'm going, because I'll end up there. So we're running down Romford Road and this milk float come along. All right, Mark, how are you doing? All right, Dixie. And she said, stop, stop. And we jumped in the milk float. <laughs> and we've moved the case, we've moved the, the cartons and all that in the middle. Me and Dixie's in the middle of this. She's come on, drive around there. And he's going, You sure? Yeah, no, go. And Ronnie Boyce and Hilton, 
<laughs> hilts and all that were different corners to get everyone to run round. And this milk floats fucking drove round. <laughs> and he's drove by everyone. And he says, we've just got to sit here because we can't go in first because fucking Bonzo, you know, <laughs> Bonzo would know there's something up. <laughs> so, so we're sitting there and uh, Martin, he can fucking run. There was a few boys fucking sprinting, some of the young boys sprinting. And he says, right, how, how long we give it? God, three or four minutes and we sat there. And what we've done, you've got to run around the top and, and then that way. But there's a wee shortcut down here, which is only taking about 300 or 400 yards off the journey. So me and Dixie says, right, we'll go down there and Gaffer will fucking accept it. And we've ran down and Bonzo was fucking over the moon. He was going fucking different class, boys. Oh, I can't, I told you, you fucking fit boys, you could do it when you want it and all that. And we're going, all right, Gaffer, all right, all right, Gaffer, all right. I was thinking of milk because we had to fucking things over us. <laughs> we went in and got my share and we pissed off. And uh, the coaches hadn't come back. Everyone came in. <laughs> and then Bonzo was going, where the fuck's the coaches? And, and they phoned Ronnie Boyce and Hills. And go, where are you? Oh, Dixie and Macker's no fucking pastors yet. <laughs> <laughs> they're still out on the route. <laughs> they, were the, they were out on the route. And he's going, nah, they're fucking in, showered and gone. <laughs> Oh, it was hilarious. Just, oh. just on that topic, I know it's going away from your question. What was his question anyway? Don't matter. Don't matter. <laughs> it was, can West Ham play football? Yes, they can. They can, because Sunderland have done it. Okay? Sunderland have played the way that you perhaps want to play and shown it can work without a massive budget. Changing the subject, just going back to this one with Frank. Um, Harry and Frank Lampard and Ronnie Boyce took us up to that park... You go past Rollerball, it used to be, through the traffic. Haynault Forest, is it, on the right? So we had to run round there as many times as you could, as you know, doing all these types of exercises. And then when we kind of finished them, we came back to that car park. I don't know if it's still there. I guess it would be. And um, Bill, Bill stood in front of everyone. He went, right, boys, we're going to have a run now back to the training ground. I want you to get back there as quick as we can, and we'll finish the afternoon with a game. Right now, fucking give it everything you got. We fucking give it everything, and then we'll have a game and we'll get it on and finish, right? So everyone's gone, right, fair enough. <laughs> it's about, there's the, is it called the Maypole, which is a little bit further on? I think the run's near, is it one and a half, two miles? Give or take, well, it doesn't matter. So nearly all of us have run as fast as we could back to the, back to the ground. And when the next person comes in from behind you, you'd say, oh, well done, well done. You sort of have a little bit of camaraderie, you know, good spirit, great run, who won it, blah, 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 blah. Then we get over to the pitch, get our boots on, over to the pitch. Pitch was all set up. We're still waiting on one player. One player. We're all of us, we're all waiting there. There's like 20, it's a 10 v 10. I think, fuck me, where is he? And we knew who it was, it was Dix. We waited on the pitch for an hour. <laughs> And then through the car park.
Frank. <laughs> Frank. Frank's next to him. Hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah, but do you know what? We had good team spirit when we played. Gets his boots, walks out from the building up to the, that first pitch at Chadwell Heath. He's in, again, it's about 40 yards. And you think that he'd run up to the pitch to get the game going. He's fucking walked. Anyway, two teams. Game gets going. After two or three minutes, the score's 3-0. Dick's had a hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> he looks at Harry and Frank and said, that running's a waste of fucking time. <laughs> he said, you want to get the balls out? Get the, get the balls out and play football. He yeah. said, they're fucking shit. <laughs> and you couldn't help but laugh. That was his, that was his favourite saying. Was him, wasn't it? They're all shit with a ball. <laughs> that was his favourite saying. They can't fucking play football. They can run, but they can't play football. <laughs> that was Dick saying. He was brilliant. Great story. We've just got one last question. I've been sat next to this man for a couple of pints now. Um, is, is, it, is it still awake? It, it, it is the last <laughs> question. Remember, of course, the questions are just suggestions. Feel free to talk about whatever you want. <laughs> well, I don't know how you followed that. Uh, I've been a West Ham supporter all my life and uh, on the as you run out on the pitch you must know it says academy and I can't believe that once this season I think they played the under 21s who have got a good record this year played once in a cup game and got annihilated didn't they remember and that's so disheartening and when you think you look at Southampton the kids that have come out of Southampton, and West Ham used to be like that, it breaks your heart. What do you think about it? The, the youngsters coming through? The youngsters, I think the youngsters are used to playing football, and then all of a sudden Sam and his regimes come in and, and says you've got to fuck it up the park. <laughs> and, and maybe they're not... Maybe they're not too clever. You know, maybe they're not... I'm just... It's just a, it's just a guess. You know, you know... Maybe maybe they like getting the ball down and playing, and and all of a sudden Sam's coach is saying fuck it up the park as quick as far as you can and get somebody to fucking chase it. You know, maybe it's just an opinion, but I'm just you know I don't know. It's difficult for young players to come through now. There's no players. Last one come through at Chelsea was called John Terry. Spent twenty, thirty, forty, fifty million on their youth team to win the youth cup. They keep winning the youth cup, but there's no players. None of them come through. Norwich have won the Youth Cup, and they've got the little boy Murphy, who's quite good. Villa have built a team through their academy, which is why they're struggling now. Gonna, you know, Lerner doesn't want to invest, so he's put all the young boys in, and Lambert's had to go with it. The West Ham players, uh, which ones would you say have been good enough? Elliot Lee's been out on loan, not really done it. He's done okay. Uh, Division two, Division one. Is that, is that Rob's boy? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, who else? Moncur, George has been out at Wimbledon, done okay. He's been on loan at Partick Thistle and not played. Who else? Who? Potts, seen Potsy play down at Portsmouth 
earlier in the season at Division 2. Done okay. Done okay at Division 2. Anyone else? Turgut has been out at Blackburn. Uh, sorry, Bradford, Division 1. Done okay. Tompkins come through, yeah. He's, uh, he's a good player, Tompkins, isn't he? Who else? Who else? Pardon? Driver, the right back. Uh, has he been let go? Pardon? Well, I just said it, didn't I? I didn't know he's been released, but I'd imagine he's been released. Would he be good enough for Barnet, where I am now? Maybe. Who else? Atmosphere, playing against men. Playing against men. Uh, recently, I had a lad on loan from Derby in the championship. <coughs> Uh, technical player, good centre-back, lovely left foot, could play out from the back, could get it from the goalkeeper. He could play nice football. But when the free kicks came into the box on the penalty spot, mate, in the technical area, the manager needed the bucket. <laughs> can, I just, can I just ask a question? Can I ask you guys a question? Can I ask you guys a question? You're talking about bringing the players through and making a third division for the players and all that kind of Premier League players. They're talking about that now. The FA are talking about third division, Premier League players coming up and all that, which might be great. This is a wee question to you guys. You guys go and watch West Ham, no matter what or how they're playing, because you love the club and all that, you go and watch them, you turn up every week. Would you go, because, listen, from the top to the bottom of West Ham, they all play the same way. So would you go and watch West Ham if the, the boys were in the third division coming through and they were still fucking hoofing it up the park? Would you go and watch them? No. No, I don't can think I just you would, go, do you? Jeremy, can I just finish yeah. off that chap's question? We, we, yeah, we, 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 do need to, we do need to be finishing this section because we've still got a few more awards and, and people have to be getting home. Who's got to come home? <laughs> listen, listen, listen. <laughs> I ain't fucking going home. No, no. Do you know what? Me. I just want to tell a few stories about Martin. <laughs> can I just answer the, the guy with the beard, with the hands on his head? So going back to your point, are the players good enough to go into the Premier League now and play and compete? Well, the Tottenham boys have all gone to Swindon and Swindon have finished mid-table and there's been five Tottenham players there. Pritchard, who I think came on against you maybe, the little kid on the wing. But he's never going to make it at Tottenham. Harry Kane will make it. He's the best one of their group. But there's nothing else at Tottenham. They've spent millions. The central midfield player, the Algerian, he'll do it. But there's not many more that are coming through in that system to play at the Premier League because of the foreign players that are coming in, often cheaper, stronger. And that time to evolve and develop into your team, it's not there. Sorry, we can't, we can't, we can't get into a big discussion here because we've still got some awards to do. But um, look, let's just acknowledge I'm really scared of you, Martin, and you don't have to <laughs> give me that face. You know, because you know, I've, I've got to be the bad guy. But these guys, really entertaining. Let's hear it for these two. Fantastic session there. Brilliant stuff. But I am conscious that we did say we'd uh, try and finish by nine, and it's just gone nine. So we've got a few more awards to go. Welcome back on the stage, James and Chris. Woo! Big George trying to get an extra question in there, get his money's worth. Watch out. Uh, right, we've got three more awards to do. And then we're going to all go to Stringfellas, all of us, everyone who's here. Um, last three awards, like I say. So we begin with the last three awards for the most memorable match 
Voting closed before the last game of the season, but I suspect the winner may involve one of the many matches we won against Spurs. Here to announce the winner of most memorable match 2014. Give it up for Gnome. We, ha we have a gold envelope. Now, this is going to be interesting because um, Jeremy's crack about me losing a contact lens wasn't a joke. Um, right, okay. Uh, in third place, Chelsea away on the 29th of January, the 0-0 uh, draw in which we were accused of playing 19th century football, hey. unlike Chelsea. Um, second place, Tottenham away in the League Cup, the 2-1 win on the 18th of December. And uh, this will come as no surprise. The winner was Tottenham away on the 6th of October, the 3-0 victory, um, including that wonderful goal from Revel Morrison. Weren't bad, was it? <laughs> that it? Can I can I go now? <laughs> Cheers, thank. Ladies and gentlemen, Genome, big legend, legend on the KUMB forum. Um, so to collect the award for our win against Tottenham, here's Mark Noble, no less. My favourite game of the season was Spurs away. Um, Most memorable match. Um, only because I've got a, uh, a good friend who's a who's a. Uh, Die-hard Spurs fan, and um, when we scored, when Rav scored his third goal, I remember celebrating, looking over, and uh, he was in tears to geezer. So um, <laughs> it was a it was a good memory, and it's sort of a it was a, a memory that I ain't really gonna forget. Um, Martin, quick question. So that so the most memorable match this year was our win against Spurs. What's it like to get a win over our local rivals? I know you won at White Hart Lane. Did I? Yeah, 94, 95 season. Wow. <laughs> um, now, my favourite local rival, sorry, just to divert from your question, was yeah. when we played away at Arsenal. And um, I, I scored at that clock end. And my dad was behind the goal with my son, George. And I hit that long shot and it went in the top corner. And um, I was at, uh, lucky enough to go behind the goal and I could see my dad holding my son George and my uncle Charlie who lives up in uh, Romford I could see the three of them and you can imagine what that's like um, it's the most amazing feeling obviously to score there and then to see your family and have all those supporters banked right across the back there uh, amazing feeling and that was probably one of my highlights I think that day amazing day okay we're down to the final two awards now. The next award is the most notorious award KUMB have on offer. It's the 2014 Hackett of the Year. And to announce the winner of Hackett of the Year, give it up for Chalks. Woo! Don't fuck it up. Fuck you. <laughs> Cunt. Right, the, uh, <laughs> the Hackett of the Year, third place. I can't fucking remember. I thank you. Howard Webb, oh, that's better. Howard Webb. For refusing to rescind Andy Carroll's red card, Howard Webb. Second place, Sam Allardyce, for cupping his ear to the supporters. Winner, West Ham Matt. <laughs> Chico Flores Woo! for pretending to be elbowed by Andy Carroll. Yeah. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Chilks. Chico Flores, what a cunt. Um, <laughs> Martin, Chico Flores, I mean, did you, did you ever come across anyone who was as much of a cheat as him in your playing days? No, I don't like him. <laughs> no, I don't like that. That Hackett, is that Keith Hackett? Yeah, it's named after Keith Hackett, yeah. Two years ago, I went to uh, the League Managers Association every year. They invite you to a football club where the Referees Association tell you the new rules. So we all sit down like you're all sitting down and we look at the panel and they tell us the new rule changes, the conduct and behaviour that's expected. And I'd driven from Gillingham up to Wickham Wanderers ground and got there just after 2pm, which was when it started. And the lovely lady gave me a nice cup of coffee in a tea cup and saucer. You know those ones? So I made my way in and sat at the back. And as the guy's introducing himself, he was introducing the people, and lo and behold, the last person on the top table, sitting behind the white tablecloth with his hands in his head like that, was Keith fucking Hackett. <laughs> My cup and saucer started to shake. <laughs> the coffee started to dribble. The froth, the froth started to come. It's the first time I'd seen Hackett and my horrible eyes started to focus on Hackett. And I could see the skinhead at the back there with the diamonds and I just could not take my eyes off of Hackett sat on that fucking table. I wanted to kill him. <laughs> not kill him, literally, but... So anyway, I stayed till the end and done my little bits and pieces as you do and listened all the way through, have to attend it. And Hackett walked down through the middle. Hello, Martin. Hi, Keith. <laughs> Are you all right? He said, yeah. He said, Martin, he said, I just want to have a quick word. I said, uh, Keith, what's that about? But I didn't say it like Keith. I said it with not a very nice attitude. And he said, um, I've always wanted to talk to you about what happened at uh, uh, Villa Park. He said, I've always wanted to talk to other pl the players I said, tell me about it then, Keith. Tell me about it. He said, I made a massive mistake. This is serious now. It's relevant because you were just talking about the Hackett, so you might as well know it. <laughs> he said, I made a mistake. He said, it should have been a yellow card and it cost you the game. He said, up until that point, you were on top, but the hot weather and the way they passed the ball about and the pitch that day was very long at Villa Park. He said, it made it very difficult for your team, didn't it? He said, I knew straight away I'd made a mistake, and when every goal that went in, it hurt. <laughs> and I had to respect that. Obviously, you've got someone here saying sorry. So I said, flipping hell, Keith, uh, fair play, fair play. I said, I think you've shown a lot of balls to actually come over and not confess, but accept you made a mistake. He said, I was stuck in the car park after the game for an hour and a half. He said, my wife was with me. He said, we both just sat there. We'd seen all the traffic. We'd seen all the West Ham supporters. And uh, Martin, he said, I made one of the biggest mistakes of my whole career that day. He said, and I couldn't drive home. We just sat there and chatted. He said, it took me a long, long time to get over it. So that came from the, you know, the horse's mouth, from Ackett's mouth. And I thought, fair play to him. I shook his hand. And I haven't got a punchline to make it funny. <laughs> <laughs> I shook his hand and said, uh, fair play to you, fair play to you, and wish you the best of luck. And I thought, on his part, it was 
a good gesture. So that was Keith Hackett. Yeah, let's have a round of applause for Keith Hackett. No, Bollocks. don't clap him. Bollocks. <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck bollocks it up. <laughs> Fuck bollocks it up. <laughs> don't clap him. It's a pretty good story, I think, all West Ham. Yeah, it's a great story, but he's a prick. Frank, you missed that semi-final, didn't you, through suspension? Oh, don't start me, yeah. But, I mean, have you ever come across Keith Hackett? Have you got a Keith Hackett story? Do you know why I missed the semi-final and I couldn't believe it? Because I just came back from injury and I was having a bad time. And I was playing, I think it was Barnsley or some fucking, Sunday at Upton Park. And and I'm playing up front and... And the big boy, the big defenders come right through me and I'm going, yeah, it's your first time. I was out for a year and I'm going, fuck, you know, this big boy come through me and I went, fucking hell, big man, what are you doing? And he's like, wow, well, so the gaffer's told me, I went, what? He says, the gaffer told me to come through you and put you because he's coming back. And I says, well, this is my career, just fucking be careful, you know what I mean? You know, fucking, <laughs> anyway, as Scottish people do that. <laughs> And he, and he came through me again. I thought, you're having a laugh, aren't you? And it was one of them. I'm looking over at a gaffer. I can't remember who the gaffer was at Barnsley. And I'm looking, I'm going, you're a twat. I'm giving her and he's laughing. And then I say, what, something happened. And he just came through me again. I just turned around. It was probably Mick McCarthy, frankly. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't Mick. Anyway, whatever. He came through me and I just turned around and punched him. I just decked him. <laughs> um, oh, I did, I did uh, yeah, I decked him. And I just walked off. And I've walked off, and the referee's going, come here. I went, fuck off. And I just walked off. Because <laughs> they knew it was a send-off. And, and I thought, I'm not going to be a schoolboy. I'm not going to be the... And I just walked off. And I was raging because, you know, I'm just back and I'm getting sent off. Never once thought about the semi-final. And um, I got to the tunnel, and, and I'm going, and the guys, get, all the players are giving it all that to me. And I'm going, come on, down the tunnel, come back. Usual Glasgow, fucking, well, Glaswegian, all that. And I'm giving it all that, come down. And then it was only after the game that I realised that, you know, I'm enjoying to, I'm missing the semi-final. I thought, oh, God, I swear that I could have just died there and then um, because it meant, you know, it meant so much to me to play at Villa Park in the semi-final. But I didn't realise that much, because I'd been out that long, I just didn't realise I was going to miss it with a sending off, you know. Um, so that was my biggest disappointment in my career, I think. You know, so it was, um, and, and then to go and watch it and watch... Hackett sent Gailey off for, mm. for nothing was yeah. was even more you know disappointing for me. You know, but to, to yeah. top that, I had a couple of Pace Regals with me. They were all right. <laughs> so it sort of it sort of it sort of gave me a wee bit of comfort <laughs> after the game. You know, to the Pace Free Girls, so, everyone. The Pace so, Free Girls. So, yo, sorry, right. sorry about that, boys. Anyway, <laughs> right. We're on to the last award of the evening now. We're almost done. One more award before we all go home or go string fellows, depending on whether you're Frank McAvenny or not. So, here we are. Conclusion. It's time to discover who readers of KUMB have voted as Player of the Year. And here to announce the winner of the biggest prize at the 17th KUMB Awards. Give it up for the Editor-in-Chief, the Puppet Master, the G-Man, Graham Howlett! Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, before I open this real gold envelope up and uh, announce the winner of the uh, Player of the Year this year, uh, I'd just like to say a couple of thank yous. Um, firstly to James and Chris uh, for taking the podcast on this year and keeping us all entertained all year. Well done, guys. Um, also um, to the two guys here for coming up and keeping us entertained tonight. Thank you, chaps. Thank you very much. 
and I would also uh, like to thank you, the KUMB readers, uh, for voting tonight and also for supporting the site again. Um, we've been going for 17 years now and hopefully we'll be running for a few more. So give yourself a round of applause for, for that. And uh, finally, um, just before, as I say, before I open this up and announce it, I would like to dedicate this uh, award um, to, a, to a gentleman um, called James O'Halloran. Um, some of you would have known him from KUMB, where he posted as Post Horn Gallop. Um, unfortunately, James passed away last week after a long battle with cancer, so we're going to dedicate this award to him. So without further ado, to announce uh, from third place upwards, uh, third place in this year's Player of the Year was Dylan Tombides. And the KUMB.com runner-up Player of the Year this year was goalkeeper Adrian. Uh, which leaves us with the winner of the KUMB.com 2013-14 Player of the Year Award. I'm sure this will be no surprise to any of you by now, having heard the names that have been called out already, already but the winner is Mark Noble. Excellent. And here is Mark Noble collecting his award. Um, yeah, I'd like to say thank you so much for... Uh um, voting for me, um, it's a great honour. Uh, I think uh, obviously the, the hard, hardcore West Ham fans uh, are members of this uh, website. And, uh, so no, it's brilliant and um, uh, thanks for all your support all this season, thank you. Player of the year, Mark Noble. Um, mine and Frank, Mark Noble, is that the right choice? Yeah, of course it was. It was that, I said to Martin Hill last season, there's only two, there are only those two players you could pick and that was a goalkeeper. And, and Mark Noble, so, um, yeah, but I was just saying, um, back in the day, the players would have been here to accept the awards rather than hidden behind the camera. It's, it's all changed days now, isn't it? So, I apologise to the fans because they love seeing players coming out. And it used to be, but they don't do it now. Their agents won't let them, so. Sorry about that. Right. By the way, I'm now, I'm now an agent. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it right? Well, it is right because that's what the supporters think. And everybody sort of says, well, we're only supporters, but I don't buy that one. It's, uh, it's their vote and um, their choice. So it is right, isn't it? That's it. Apart from Rat, I thought he was good. Okay, well, let's, let's attempt to wrap this podcast up. I should say before we close this out tonight, um, I designed the... Anyone here read Overland and Sea? Yeah, okay, right. You know, I designed the front cover of Overland and Sea. And um, when I did it, yeah. <laughs> when I did it, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, it's a recreation of the Sergeant Peppers. Um, like, it's all West Ham players as, Sergeant, as the Sergeant Peppers album. Frank's on there, Martin's on there. But there's one rogue bloke on there. And I've heard people saying, who is that bloke? Who is that bloke? It's my dad, Keith Skull, over there. Go on, dad, give everyone a wave. <laughs> He's a celebrity, he doesn't even know it. Uh, yeah, he is rogue. He should stand up a minute, please. Yeah. <laughs> Are you in Breaking Bad? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Walter White. No, no, it's you just are, a, aren't you? No, it's just a smell over there. He right? gets stone cold, stone cold Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Well, I think I've embarrassed my dad enough. It's time to wrap up the 2013-14 season on the KUMB podcast. Let's have a big round of applause for Martin Allen. Hilarious. But also, top man, hilarious, Frank McAvenny. From myself, give it up. Last, uh, well, James Longman just is all right. Boo, boo. Also, give it up for Graham Howler, editor of KMB. He keeps it going all the time. Thank you so much, Graham. Um, The last shout out we have to do is a massive one because without these guys, there wouldn't be a podcast at all. It's the guys at Radioville, Shawnee and Alex over there, who give us the studio. Go on, Shawnee. We we owe, like, we could never pay that debt back. But they, <laughs> scumbag. Scumbag. All right. Win, win by podcast without the fans. <laughs> all right. And yeah, and thank you all, the audience, most importantly, for listening to us and keeping us going. And thank you for coming tonight. We're so thank grateful. You. And Bobby Moore, Cancer Fund, is especially grateful. So thank you to all you people. Thank you very much. There's some money there. You've already donated a tenner. Well, what you paid, you've already donated. But there's, a, there's, there's some extra ways you can donate, as you will see over there. Um, yeah. Thank you so much from everyone on the KUMB team. We hope you have a wonderful summer. We'll see you again in August for season three. Until then, from everyone here at East Ham Working Men's Club, goodbye and come on, you are in!